Welcome to this special bonus episode of the Passive House Podcast. I'm Zach Semke, Director of Passive House Accelerator, and we're pleased to be sharing a series of bonus episodes recorded at FiasCon 2022 in Chicago. These interviews were made possible by generous support from StoCorp and Zola Windows. In this interview, Passive House Podcast co-host Matthew Cutler-Welsh speaks with Maureen Sanchez of RDH Building Science. Enjoy. your time, Maureen. Thanks for, uh, for being here. How are you enjoying the conference? It, it's been great. So first, Matthew, thank you for, for having me here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the conference, we're barely um, done with day one yeah. and very, I have to say, very inspiring. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always the case, I'm sure, but the keynote speakers, um, seeing clients Step up. Some of your clients? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Um, some of the keynote speakers. Right. Um, uh, Chris um, at, uh, sorry, let me just check the name, but um, Trinity Financial. Yeah. I was very impressed because um, seeing clients that just step up and, and, and follow you into that learning curve to then talk about the passive house standard, not just from a technical standpoint, but also, you know, benefits and yeah. the whole value yeah. of delivering these um, high-performance buildings as well as bringing a lot of um, health, yep. you know, um, health concerns and, and better uh, quality environments for, yeah. for the occupants. I, I just thought it was really inspiring because we don't yeah. have these clients all the time we have some of them but just to be reminded that some of them are out there yeah i i thought a lot about that because uh, there's been some really good topics about um, the economics uh and then broadening that out to the wider economic benefits to the community yeah and it, it's it's a tough one because it it totally makes sense but i also know that those sort of wider health benefits are seen as externalities by a developer. And it's very hard to bring that in to the, because they're not part of the projects. You know, the, yeah. everyone benefits, but it's hard to make an economic case as the developer or the project owner yeah. for those wider benefits as part of the bottom line and cost benefit. And, so, and I would rephrase because I think they're totally part of the project because you're, you're, you're answering to your, or not answering, but providing uh, the right environment for your occupants, which yeah. is more or less the end goal. Yeah. But I would phrase it as we don't know yet how to bring it into the financial picture. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because that was literally the talking of my, of, my, of my talk today, which was seeing the bigger, like the whole picture, the bigger landscape of deep energy retrofits, which yeah. is all about zooming out of your, you know, um, uh, sorry, ROI, um, you know, return it's, on investment, yeah, yeah. payback, yeah. to to really start uh, framing the conversation differently. Yeah. And so, yeah, back to this to the to the keynote speakers, um, seeing these themes pop up here and there for me has been really, really inspiring. So, how do we do that? Because because deep retrofit is hard and it's expensive. It At the yes. end of the day, everyone's going to benefit. Correct. But who's going to pay for it? Okay, so that's an answer I don't have. The, sorry, that's a question I don't have an answer for. But um, it's it's still exactly the the how to say that the the comments that I've pushed through this presentation because 
we know that it's 100% needed from a climate standpoint. Yep. It's also needed from... Um, you know, an occupant standpoint, like we need resilient spaces, we need healthy spaces, right? Like if we're trying to work on um, social justice as well as well as environmental justice, like we need to do all these deep retrofits, right? Yeah. It's going to help the economy as well. And the truth is, we're not yet seeing the whole picture. By me trying to do that presentation, the goal was to like widen, right, the the, the perspective to include. Um, resiliency to include future carbon taxes to include um, you know the, the, the weight that we're putting on um, you know national um, medical sector mm. with all the you know sickness and all of that um, it, you know even entrances right the cost of um, um, uh, sorry how to say that the, the cost of paying back for all these uh, climate disasters and all yeah. that so you're trying to really zoom back and I think that the business case for for deep retrofit is almost self-evident you know once you start seeing the whole picture yeah. if you also start thinking about um, devaluation of your asset when you don't take care of it and others will do then what type of rent or, or resale value will you get? How much uh, tenant retention will you yeah. get? Um, what are you, the penalties that you're facing if during an extreme event you have to rehouse people? That's not for everybody. That's around like shelter buildings. But yeah. a lot of the buildings we work on are actually shelter buildings during extreme events, right? Yeah. So I already know that the perspective, when you look at the whole picture, the whole like you bring every single perspective to the table, I do think that we have a solid case that we don't yet know how to all add up in a dollar sign. But for us to get there, I, I, I honestly think that we need everybody around the table. And I don't mean just design practitioners and, and client groups, but I also mean, um, you know, uh, the insurance world, right? Yeah. We're talking about the medical sector. Yeah. We're talking about financing. Because it's those people that are going to pay yes. for rehousing if something goes wrong. Correct. Not the building owner. And they're able to guide us more. Right? For example, in terms of insurance, if the insurance world, and by the way, they're really fast at catching up, right? Like yes. when something happens, yeah, yeah, the absolutely. next day they're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Their right? equation changes. <laughs> and so they have with yeah. every single climate event, right? Yeah. We, we don't talk about the, the rates go up. Correct. And so we've heard through, you know, the... Um, Feedback that the, the insurance world is 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 ramping up really fast to including all of that you know flood risk and and, and passive survivability yeah. and and so I think uh, you know in all honesty I don't think that there is one of us that has the answer to yeah. cracking that deep retrofit nut right but I think that with the brains that we know we have with the quality of people and the intent and the passion and the will to have that impact. Right. And to guide the world towards like good climate action and yep. do what it takes. Yep. I actually think we can figure it out, but it, it, it will take the whole village. But it sounds like figuring that out is not a technical problem. And last time you talked uh, with Zach about the, the, the idea of um, early integrative design and thinking about everything yes. early on. Yeah. It's almost what you're saying now is you need to expand that out beyond your design team and not just have the architect, the engineer and, and, and the owner in the room, but also have, well, who's funding this? Who's going to be yeah. looking after this building? Who, who's going to be looking after the people that are going to be living in that building and, and what's going to be yeah. the impact of them? That isn't typically done. I don't know of any examples where that no. is done, but that's an interesting thought experiment to say, what would that look like if we had 
people from the insurance companies, people from the health, medical, whoever's going to be looking after these people, educators, whoever is going to be involved in these people's lives in the next however many years um, these people are going to be in in that building. Yep. And and I think you're right. And I think that back to your point about technology and experience, like it's not that that is holding us back. Yeah. Right. Like, yes, retrofit, you know, retrofitting buildings is a lot harder than new built. We get that. But we do have the experience. We've been, you know, again, doing it for almost 30 years in Europe, you know, like it's hard, but it's not undoable. And it's definitely not technology. Is is RDH getting into some of that now and doing deep retrofits? Sorry. Is RDH getting into some deep deep retrofit work? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, I think the funny part of it is rather than, you know, trying one here and trying one there and having a few projects, we've, we've been, we've been talking a lot to our, um, uh, sorry, not developer, but uh, portfolio manager clients. And again, that has like, this, this is very difficult because as much as they understand the, uh, the climate emergency, the future regulations that are coming with carbon tax and, you know, the road, um, to net zero, the the need to provide a more resilient, um, environments and better indoor, you know, air quality and environment. It all goes back to the financial question that you were asking, yeah. who will pay for that? Yeah, yeah. And the truth is, that's why I'm saying I don't have all the answers and I really want everybody at the table to help us solve this because even on some great cases with great clients that are willing to understand and step up, the end product was like, okay, I hear you, I need to do all that and maybe I don't have enough incentives, so I'm just increasing my rent as far yeah. as I need to, yeah. to get there. Yeah. And this is where, for me, it was also really hard to hear because if you see everything that has happened, I think over the last five years, I think people have been become um, a lot more aware of uh, the fact that, you know, the climate crisis and, and climate justice is also tied to social justice and yep. gender equality. Like everything is actually all, you know, connected yep. to each other. And for us to have the right impact from a climate standpoint, which would actually widen inequality yeah. is, is something that, you know, it, it's not the goal. It's yeah. not where we're coming from. And so we're going to have to solve that because we have to work on, you know, Reducing the gap, social equality, social justice, environmental justice, and so it, it's it's a tough triangle it to is. be in. Yeah, know? especially when you're trying to justify your professional time, and you've got deadlines to meet, and you've got a job, a specific job to do, yep. and that's not in your job description or, right. like or even in your project scope. Yeah, it's almost like unintended consequences, right? Hmm. But it, the, the, the same way that, um, I don't know, even if it's not in our scope, I think we need to be educated enough and comfortable enough to have these discussions. Like yeah. for me, a big theme um, over the last few years has been to, even if I don't have the answers, I will still raise the tough questions because yep. we know of them. They, we, we cannot hide from them. Yeah. And truth be told, even with, you know, um, some of our toughest crowds these questions have always been well received you know it might take a while to digest but i've never you know been told off or or dismissed 
for bringing some of these questions because I think it is, it is in a way forward thinking and it shows to the client that you are trying to put yourself into their shoes yeah. and that yeah. they will have to take decisions on some of these questions and that you are truly there to support them into, you know, whatever is the, the, the extent of your scope. But no matter what your scope is, I do think we, we need to be versed in, in more than just our scope, right? We don't yeah. need to be experts in other scopes. We will have other disciplines, but we need to have that same vocabulary. You know, the way we were asking for, let's talk about that energy budget management and I need yeah. all of my disciplines to be able to talk with me really well. Yeah. You know, looking back in the mirror, I have to do the same thing, right? And it's not just technical. It's also like... Um, you know, urban environments yep. and density and, 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 you know, transport and sustainable cities because buildings are not, you know, single entities yeah. that just live yeah. somewhere, yeah. you know? So it, it, it's, it's that growth and that awareness and, you know? And your, the, that description of an approach sounds like it would be a good idea for a, a designer, an overall designer, like an architect or, or even an urban planner. Uh, you're none of those. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're an engineer. Yes. Uh, which is very easy to sort of pigeonhole into a very specific um, you know, person to be called upon when a particular problem yes. uh, needs needs to be solved. Um, so yeah, how do you, in your role, how, well, how do you expand your role? How do, how do you... Uh, lead that conversation when your job is just to fix a technical problem? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question, I think, because it, it took me a while to understand um, all the facets of my job, right? Yeah. Because first and foremost, you're right, I am an engineer and my expertise is on technical subjects, right? It's energy modeling, it's, you know, being a passive house designer. That is what is at the core. But if I only have that, it is not enough to get successful delivery of these buildings, yeah. right? And it took, you know, I, I've been doing project for, what, almost 15 years now. And it took until, like, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago when at a conference I was asked by somebody outside of the business, what does it take to actually get these buildings across the finish line? And this is where... I became aware of the additional layer of soft skills that you need to bring to the table yep. to actually make it all work. And I, I, I've been called the glue, you know, as a passive house consultant, you are the glue in the design team. And it's, you know, in a certain sense, it, it is true because you have to embed yourself into every single discipline. You are not, and you will never be over these disciplines. You are not the leading architects, but you are really making a, a flat hierarchy where everybody needs to be aware of everything, and you're kind of the central part, making sure that everybody is communicating. Yeah. Because when you start reducing these um, energy and carbon targets to such stringent levels, which we need to for having, you know, even a fighting chance to keep global warming under 1.5 degrees. Yeah. You, you gotta enable that communication. You have to be a really good communicator. Yep. You have to be able to take almost every single person in your design and construction team outside of their comfort zone in the smoothest and most delicate way ever to show them that it's okay. We know how to do this. Here's the landscape. And if you follow the path, you'll get to the finish line. Okay. 
and that is way beyond just technical skills. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know, I get taught that engineering skill. <laughs> so honestly, I'm telling you, I have two master's degree and sometimes I'm just thinking I should not have done all of this and I should just have done like, a, I don't know, master in psychology like, and people, yeah, you know, yeah. like, and human behavior Counseling. because that would have helped me so much. But it, it's, if we are to drive market transformation and significant acceleration of the delivery of high-performance buildings, you have to remove every single barrier in front of you. Yeah. And I strongly believe that the biggest barrier we have on every single type of project is more linked to humans than to technology and buildings themselves. It doesn't mean that technology and buildings are like easy to fix or easy to design as, you know, net zero and passive house, but the... the, the the shift in the mindset, in the mentality, in the way we work together, in the way we judge and distribute our energy and carbon budget the same way we do with our financial budget, that's at the core. Yeah. And if we fix that, I actually think we can win. Yeah, yeah. But it's not, you know what I mean? It's not technology. It's no. not a technical issue. It sounds like you know your way around a spreadsheet, but your superpower is more challenging people in a empathetic way and understanding where they're coming from but not being scared to push and ask tough questions yeah and i am going to be honest with you it took a while to to get there but um yeah i I think actually that's a very good way to describe my superpower i like it i might i might keep that because it's yours it it is it is what it is at the end of the day like that's how we do that uh mass scaling right like if we're just good technically it doesn't it doesn't help. We have to convince owners that that's the right way to do it. We have to put ourselves into their shoes. We have to speak their language. So again, no matter which engineer you might be, or yeah. even the architect, you have to understand their financial model, their motivation, their 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 constraints regarding you know maintenance and yeah. you know capital cost planning and all of that because. It, yeah, it, it's a team sport. I've always said it, but the more the more I'm progressing my career, the more I'm like, oh my god! I thought that you know I knew enough to have that 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 wider picture, and there's always a wider yeah. one which helps me, you know, move forward. But a, a good team needs a captain, and it's not always necessarily the the lead architect. Correct, yeah. and it, you know what? It, or the it, goal scorer. Yeah, it, I think it's just about leadership, and le- you don't need the title to, yeah. to lead. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's really that. And and when you have that, you know, leadership, that that leading energy, that that drive, and that passion, because it is not just I need to go there just because I need to go there. Yeah. You need to go there because of A, B, and C. And if yeah. you share A, B, and C with the rest of the team, it makes sense. Yeah. And they stop asking why are we going there. They're more asking how do we get there, right? And so I think when you um, when you work that way, I do believe that other people kind of feed on that energy. Because yeah, yeah. to tell you the truth, as much as, you know, I'm a young female professional in a construction industry, it hasn't always been easy, but I still think that I've also had the opportunity to work with great teams that have been uh-huh. very welcoming of maybe the additional soft skills and superpowers that I've brought and have fed onto that to have a very different experience. So how did you get to where you are? <laughs> in what sense? So you grew up in France. Correct. 
and then trained, you went to uh, Oxford? Yes, so my first master's was in generalist engineering because I did not know what I wanted to do. And then I found my super But most people don't know what they want to do, do an arts degree or a science degree at at best. (laughs) True, true. And uh, the way engineering, um, sorry, uh, French engineering schools work is that um, you get a national exam and you get ranked nationally. Uh And if you rank really in the top, they allow you to go into like more prestigious, but more importantly, more generalist engineering schools ah. where you get to do a bit of everything right. before you have to pick, which was awesome, right? Yeah. So I worked really hard to go there because I was kind of, I, I really didn't know. And then through that experience and touching a little bit of everything, I discovered that I was terrible at coding. Right. Uh, machine work was very fun. Uh, fluid dynamics, you know, I got okay. Um, but I found my triangle between environmental um, sciences, you know, sustainability, architecture, where I really wanted to go to actually, Uh but I had done so much with engineering and I think the problem solving of engineering is also where, what got me here today because I didn't want to give that up. I didn't want to retrain as an architect. I wanted that engineering part of problem solving, which then guided me to a second master's in sustainable building. So I was already focused. And then the funny story is that I did my second master's. Amazing. Had a great time. That was in France? That, no, that was in Oxford. That was one and in And then Oxford, I started yeah. working. And um, Did you know that building science existed? Was that, was that a thing for you? No, I kind of fell into it for that, for that sustainable building right. Right, course where we touched a little bit on everything with architectural design, energy modeling, building yeah. science. So it was, and I think it was like still early days, yeah. right, for these masters to be created. I think right now, the, um, the the curriculum I'm seeing at universities is like it's a lot more defined. Yep. You know, you can see the, the streams. Yep. I think for me, it was a bit early days there, but uh, I'm super grateful because we had a couple of lectures from a wonderful person, Bill Borges from the UK. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know him, but you got to research him. Uh-huh. Like he's been shouting at us to do the right thing since before I was born. And he was the guy that lectured me on that. And it was like mic drop. Yeah. And so when I first, when I had these few lectures towards the end of the master's and started working, it became really obvious to me that we had that huge performance performance gap. Uh-huh. And so in the UK, um, based on the data that we had, right, back at the time, on average, even new buildings, right, on average, buildings would use two and a half to three times more the amount of energy we had predicted. Wow. And for me, that's when my brain exploded. I was like, people, Something's I not just, right. yeah, exactly. I was like, I just finished a master's. I had a blank, you know, a blank piece of paper and everything was perfect. Yeah. And now you're throwing me into the real world and nothing is working. And yeah. it's not rocket science. This is, you know, building physics. It hasn't changed for yeah. a long time. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, not quite just about heat loss, but it's literally a matter of, you know, heat transfer. Yeah, I think yeah. we can figure it out. So why are we getting it so wrong? Correct. And that's where I'm starting to search like frantically around for that solution. And that's where I discovered Passive House. Right. And so I'm not, um, you know, what you would call a Passive House extremist, but the framework has been so useful to me because it's first started as one of the tools yep. to close that performance gap, yep. which then quickly turned into climate action. Right. Right. And it's the same, I've, 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 sorry, of course, with um, 
the complexity of projects that we get through the door. It's more new build at the moment. Yep. But I've also cut my teeth like 15 years ago on deep retrofit, you know, smaller scale, but still deep retrofit. And I know that the, uh, the retrofit framework also works really well. It's also yeah. another robust framework to deliver, you know, proper climate action. Like yeah. You can work with it. You can tweak it as you see fit depending on what are the client needs and what are the, the project needs. Yeah. But these frameworks have been such reliable tools and allies to know that we can make a difference. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You touched on the the um, situation of being a young female in a relatively male dominated world. Yes. How's it been? It hasn't been all, you know, butterflies and rainbows. <laughs> uh, no, but again, um, it is it is a bit tough to make your uh, to make your, your you know enough space for you to start with. Yeah. Right. I think as a as a young professional in a field that is not yet recognized. Right. And I mean, right. you know, fifteen yeah, yeah, years yeah. ago. Right. Yeah. Like energy efficiency. They're like, what? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. It's really so the whole like, building science area is new. It's not not just you being a small part in a in a big industry exactly so again i've you know i don't i i love the fact that um my days are typically very varied right i do energy modeling but i also do a lot of client facing I, i do a lot of training and education but more importantly i spend a lot of time on site too because i love it and part of me part of my values like part of what i need to operate as a human yeah um is to see these designs come to life the best design in the world is great but it doesn't help the planet right yeah and i need to see these designs go through and so yeah i've had my fair share um in the uk you know where i first practiced um to go on site and go against like huge you know older builders that are like okay you're you know you're cute, you're really nice, yeah. but, you know, by the way, I know what I'm doing because yeah. that's how we've been doing it for 30 yeah, years yeah. and that's how it is. Yeah. And I got my voice based on the technical knowledge that I've acquired, uh-huh. which is when you start stepping in and say, well, okay, you've done it like this for 30 years, but it doesn't mean you've done How's it right. How's that working out for you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? But it does come, like, that confidence when no space is being made for you because you are not supposed to be, you know, at the table. Yeah. Uh, You do rely on on confidence and your own technical abilities to start building that up. Yeah. And so, like anybody else, this is what I've done, but um, I was talking, like, we were just talking about it with Dylan after his um, presentation um, this morning. The Passive House community is extremely welcoming. I don't think we have a lot of these communities around the world. And I do have a lot of people to thank for making a space for a younger version of myself to be able to express myself and show my technical expertise and for me to be judged on my technical abilities only, not on my size, not on my age, not on my gender. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so it. we still have progress to do on that front i'm not i'm not gonna lie i think that you know gender equality um on the design portion it's getting better but i'm you know again even some of my 
most demanding projects, which weren't uh, more staff at the table from mm-hmm. every single discipline, I am very often the only female professional at the table, yeah, yeah. which to me is still a little bit shocking. Yeah. And on the construction side, clearly we also have more yeah. um, progress to do. But yeah. back to your superpowers, I think that women bring different skills, right? A different touch than what men would. Yeah. And so I have been, you know, using my own way to to approaching all these challenges, all these situations. Yeah. So yes, technical expertise, but also my, you know, the the, the, the skills and the personality that I have as yeah. a woman. And it leads sometimes to a very different experience because yeah. even if it um, it can be hard sometimes one of the most one of the most rewarding um, um, you know moment I can recall uh, was uh, back in the UK so I think that was probably 2017 2018 uh, it was the largest passive house project at the time and I was hired not as a passive house consultant but as a passive house site support under the contractor uh-huh. so a very different role which again is first new yeah. And second, not normally delivered by a woman. No. <laughs> right? So that sounds like it's the it's the on-ground implementation Correct. of the passive house. But with a GC that hadn't done it before and right. needed just a bit of extra support for, for confidence, right? To say, it's the first time, I'm sure I can figure it out, but it'll be so much easier to just have you there because then we learn and then we're yeah, good wow. to go. And so through these, you know, finding a way to talk to contractors, to talk to all the supers but also to the trades and the sub trades yeah right you start developing a different approach to how you interact with people and you know come uh, so that moment that i'm thinking about was um me coming back to site on the monday but on the saturday we had um um the kind of final whole building evidence testing right and literally so it was a very big deal um we didn't have the luxury on that project to do mid-construction, mm-hmm. whole building air tightness testing, right? Because yeah. it was like broken in small parts and you're done with the bottom part when the top part is still fully yeah, open. Yeah. So we had to take a risk management approach to that, but yeah. we didn't get a whole test to, to be sure we're, we were okay. So a little bit stressful. And when on Monday morning, I barely stepped, um, you know, on site and it's literally my crane operator that says, Marine, Marine, Marine. So how did we do? How did we do? Wow. And I was like, oh, like, you actually care. Like, yeah. with all the conversations that we've had, yeah, even yeah. if they haven't been technical, for me to decide that my approach would be to share why I'm doing it. Right. You know, it's not just right. about we're doing this. It's yeah. like, why are we doing this? And why do you play a role into this? Because I cannot do it alone. There's no way, yeah. right? Any one of us can do it alone. To see that my crane supervisor was the most excited person on site to be like, you have to tell me, you have to tell me. I was like... Yeah. This means this means a lot, and you can see that it's back to you know men and women bringing different things. But all in all, we're making progress. We still have a long way to go, but I I do believe that every team, no matter you know design, construction, client teams, is always going to be better off with a bit of everything at the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no matter you know genders, yeah. but minorities and, yeah. and any the type of exactly. Yeah, so. Coming back to Passive House and uh, I guess all the things we've talked about, where do you see things? I mean, you've progressed a lot um, professionally. You've done some amazing projects. 
a lot of the talk today has been about um, what we need to get done in the next 20 years because we haven't done enough in the last 20. Um, breaking that down, I've been asking people today, where do you see things for you in the next five years? I think at the core, it's mass scale implementation mm-hmm. while still um, using the experience that we have and the technical knowledge that we have to release more typology to that market, right? right. We didn't know how to do commercial kitchens five years ago. I've sweated on them for like literally five years, <laughs> literally, like yeah, my, my brain melting in my hands. Yeah. Um, but that typology is now a lot more understood and the impact that it has because their EUIs are, right, their total energy consumption yeah. is so mind-blowing, you know, off the roof. Like I almost fell off my chair when I first looked at these figures. Yeah. So we have worked through that typology and we know how to make a really big impact. And so the next one we have on the table is um, we're working on different swimming pools. Um, I know labs are coming as well. Like the Massachusetts market is, you know, there's a lot around that with Boston. So I think that we're going to keep one portion of our expertise to keep exploring these archetypes to get to that recipe. Yeah. You know, like it's okay. You don't need to become an expert, but we've, we've looked, we've, we've turned every stone. We've made sure we've looked at everything and we've, triggered it down, you know, to that kind of recipe that if you follow all these best practices while modeling will this that way... Be, will that be one recipe or will it be lots of different recipes? I think one recipe per typology. Right, Sorry, right. right? Like, more or less, that you might need to adapt to each building. Yeah. But, you know, for commercial kitchens, we now know what are the big culprits right. and how do you attack them, in yeah. which order of priority. Yeah. So I think there's a small portion there. And I'm really excited about that because it, it's very rewarding. Again, that problem solving that I love. I love working with people and I love that problem solving of, again, realizing that there's no way you can do it on your own without yeah, the, yeah. the kitchen consultant, the mechanical engineer, the architect, like yeah, even yeah. The, the chefs, right? And the, uni- like in our cases, like universities, but like client group. And it's very rewarding. But I don't want to lose... I'm not saying I would lose track, but I also want to make sure that the vast majority of our time can be dedicated to mass scale implementation because we are so running out of time and we have the tools and I'm sure the right design teams are already out there. We're working with them. Yeah. The right clients are starting to show up yeah. and I just don't want to keep my eye of the, you know, of the end target. Yep. Right. Like for me, it's all about what is the biggest impact I can have into driving climate action mm-hmm. and driving that market transformation. And I think that with the buildings that we have, like affordable housing, uh, multi-unit residential, institutional schools, like there is so much out there. Like in my presentation today, I, I had to kind of run the figures. We have already, I think, 2.75 trillion square feet here today two-thirds of them are already will, will stay by 2050 yeah so that's about like 1.8 trillion square feet and we're adding another two trillion square feet of new build so there's so much that we have to tackle that it's out there right it, it, it we're not we're not missing work so i'm gonna stay very focused on mass scale implementation how to deliver high performance 
at scale in the most affordable way because that is how we impact people. That is how we drive change. Nice. We look forward to uh, tracking your progress. No doubt we'll be back to check in and see how it's going. That sounds good. (laughs) 